Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a super packed show for you today. We are reviewing Chris Nolan's latest blockbuster hit, Tenet. And in honor of Tenet, we are going to wrap up the show with our schoolyard pick of Chris Nolan films. And of course, as always, we will get you caught up with all of the latest news in movie and television with What's Poppin'. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I am your other co-host, Cam, and we're trying out a new format tonight. So for those of you who are listening in the traditional sense, in the traditional way, um, we're doing this video. We're doing it We're doing it via video, so we're going to be trying this format out. If it works, it'll be on, you, on YouTube uh, whenever you guys are listening to this. So uh, if you'd rather watch us go to YouTube. If this format totally doesn't work, um, it won't be. (laughs) Right? That's that's basically the long and short of it. Um, Yeah, we'll redo the whole thing if that's the case. (laughs) Quick question. Can they, like, see me right now, Cam? Not if they're listening on Apple Podcasts, but... um, Oh, okay. (laughs) But if they're watching on YouTube, yeah, sure. Okay, so, like, my dancing for the interlude, they saw all that? Part of it, because I I went to, like, a GIF of the Popcorn for Breakfast logo, but then I switched back. So, yes, I did did get some dancing in there. Don't worry about it. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that you did get a little bit of Yeah, because that happens every week. Like, that's what people don't know, because they only hear us. And that's why we wanted to try this out, because we're we're very animated folks. Look, I'm moving my hands right now. This is a multimedia (laughs) experience, you know? There's lots of different things happening, so... Um, yes. yeah, so we'll see, we'll see how the audio quality turns out. We'll see how everything turns out, but we're giving it a shot. Um, and, uh, yeah, what you guys also missed before this and what you would have missed, whether we had done video or not, was me and Kirk trying to out nice each other before this show and be like, Hey, are you ready to go? No, I'm not, man. Take your time. No, you take your time. It's going to be all right <laughs> whenever you're ready, but don't hurry. It's all good. Like that went on for hours. <laughs> <laughs> it went on like for literal like hours. 7 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's 10 now. For the for those of you scoring at home, it's actually 10 p.m. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at. So, what else, Kirk? We're both wearing our PFB shirts like a bunch of nerds. We are. Available for purchase. Look, Kirk's going to model it. Ooh. It looks good. Ever so stylish. Talk, talk like the picture is talking. Yes. Oh, hey. <laughs> gonna make, I, make no the, I don't know what that was um, but yeah you can get those shirts still available um, you can you can DM us for that and they're $18 a piece we ship to anywhere in the country I don't say anywhere in the world because I haven't figured that out yet and nobody's asked me so like don't I mean you, you <laughs> wait, could wait, wait, I could wait. try to figure it out I don't know wait but if someone from like Europe was like hey cam I want that shirt I want your faces uh-huh. on my torso yeah. Would you? Would we ship it? I guess. I don't know. I might have to like Jeff okay. Probst it and like ride a wave runner across the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean. I don't. I don't know what we would do. I'm. It's kind of panicking I at think, the thought of it. To be honest with you. Oh, 
well, you wouldn't be able to self-deliver it because there are That's no. Right. Um, what are those things called? Passports. There's restrictions with the COVID and the th- and the pandemic and all of it. So, but we would try to UPS it to another country. We would maybe? Yeah, we totally would, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, tenant this week. Tenant right above me. Ten it. The moment we've all right been there? waiting for. Yeah, it's directly above me. You can't see it, Kirk. Can you? Pu- oh, I thought you were gonna put like a cool graphic, like when you pointed. Uh-huh. No, no. Can you do I that? I can do that. I won't. Um, can you put one like across my forehead? No, Kirk, because that <laughs> like means that my giant. That means me doing hours of video editing tonight. <laughs> after all of this, and I don't really want to do that. The whole reason I formatted this way was just so I could just grab it, and go straight to YouTube. No inter- no right, no manual fine. intervention at all. If you surprise me, I won't. Don't be get mad. your hopes. <laughs> Don't get your hopes up. It's not <laughs> happening. Um, but yeah, we're reviewing Tenet this week. This is a movie, man. We feels like we waited eternity. I think it's definitely like magnified by the fact that we wanted to see this movie so badly. Um, because in reality, like we haven't waited longer for this movie than we've waited for uh, Bond twenty five. Um, or what's the real name of that movie? No time to die. No time to die. Yeah. So um, we haven't waited longer than we did for that. And we haven't waited longer. We've waited the same amount of time for like Wonder Woman. But we really wanted to see this movie because it's Chris Nolan. And that's that's right. kind of like the beginning and the ending of that. <laughs> like that's all you need to know. It's Chris <laughs> Nolan. I mean, he's this is a guy who's directed, I think, 11 feature length films, the vast majority of which are incredible world-class you know among the best that have come out in our lifetime so um this is an interesting one i can't wait for you guys to hear our review i can't wait for you guys to see it um if you haven't uh, i tweeted out the other day this is a movie you have to see in the theaters okay and and kirk would you agree with that you have to see it in theaters oh yeah yeah. i mean i think that once you've seen it in theaters then you can watch it at home but for your first viewing like it has to be in theaters it has to because it's just it's it's such an epic cinematic experience, you know. It's loud, it's fast, it's flashy. Um, the music is very cinematic and and just sweeping and and awesome. So it's just one of those things that you have to experience in a theater. And I know that um, lots of people are not comfortable with going to theaters right now, and that's fine. Um, so I just. I don't know, man. I'm like, I'm hoping they re-release it later on, like once there's a vaccine and everybody's feeling like, you know, things are starting to get back to normal because like this this last weekend was opening weekend for Tenet. Um, it made $20 million in the U.S., which is like insanely low. I mean, I, all things Ouch, considered, yeah. it's, it's good, I, I guess. Um, but, you know, like we're used to seeing big blockbuster movies make 100 mil in their first weekend. Um Tenet would have no doubt been in that category. So there's the, you know, the fact remains a ton of people haven't seen this movie yet. And so when you get the chance, make sure it's in the theater. That's, <laughs> that's all I have to say. Yes, indeed. Yeah. There's uh, without spoiling, there's an incredible opening scene that I don't think would play as well on a first viewing in your home yeah, than it sure. does in, in the setting, in a public setting of a theater, uh, because there's, um, uh, it's a big moment at uh, the, the beginning of this movie, and it's it's 
telling a lot of stuff in this big moment yes. in the beginning. So that alone, that just the opening six minutes of this movie, you need to go see it in the theater. Yeah, definitely. And then stick around for the rest of it, please. <laughs> yeah, no, no <laughs> doubt about that. I mean, that's, that, that's exactly where my head's at. And I think, um, you know, like Kirk said, spoiler free, we're going to give a spoiler free review. So hopefully it gives you everything you need to know without giving you too much. We're going to tell you exactly what to expect. We're going to tell you how much we liked the movie or disliked it. Um, but we'll do it all spoiler free. Like we always do. So, Definitely excited about that one. And then, um, you know, getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, next week's going to be Mulan. Um, we're going to be reviewing that one. And and a little bit of... We are? Dipping our, yeah, we're reviewing... Come on. <laughs> did, we, did we pick? <laughs> yes. Yes, we're going to review it, but don't worry, Kirk. We're going to do some, some password shenaniganry so that only one of us has to get the access. Because $30, let's be honest, steep. <laughs> steep. For a movie that we found out this week um, will be on Disney Plus for all users in December. So, I mean, right. That it keeps getting a little bit more and more wild. I mean, it was like when it first came out, it was like 30 bucks, and we were like, wow, that's heavy. Um, but then it was like, oh, but you can watch it as many times as you want, which I was like, eh, that's, that's okay. Like, that's nice ish. Um, I don't think I'm going to be watching it. Like, I just don't typically do that. Like, I'm not just going to watch a movie over and over and over again. Um, it has uh -huh. to be incredible for it to be that, um, which would be great if it was. But then now it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, it's coming out in December <laughs> with, with your normal subscription, no premiere access. And I'm right. like, man, that makes the $30 way harder to swallow. I mean, to put it in perspective, I spent $24.47 on Burger King two <laughs> nights ago. So Dinner for your family, right? <laughs> That's right. Oh no, that was just me. Oh I just yeah, got a lot sure. Of food. Just a couple whoppers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So, like, putting that into perspective of hmm, an entire meal. I know. Mulan. Two hours of I entertainment. Go yeah. What? Like, I know. <laughs> it's it's a tough pill to swallow for sure. But um, you know, those are the bullets that we take for you guys on an, on a week in week out basis. We see things right. so that you don't have to. No, I'm just kidding. You, sh you, you should always see what we're reviewing because it makes it more fun. Um, it does. What else is going on? I got no idea, man. This I've been so, so busy at work this yeah. week that I've just been like, I get home, I put the kids to mm -hmm. bed. And then I, then like the night just disappears. That's it. That's all there is. Um, I've been watching some old classics like AFI top 100 films recently. And just trying to mark those off my sure. list. And yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Yeah, speaking of bedtimes, man, the four month old, you know, I've, I think I've bragged about the, the baby on this podcast before being like a mm -hmm. really good baby. And I, I don't like, he's, you can't be a bad baby, obviously. Like you're just a baby. But man, he's mm -hmm. putting us through the ringer. He's putting us through the ringer right now, man. He used to be like totally chill, but now he's got teeth coming in. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, Bro, dude, I can't. I can't handle it. I'm like, I'm like, listen, you have to just like start out being a whiny baby. You can't be like a super good, quiet, <laughs> <laughs> like chill baby, and then be like, nope, my teeth hurt. Now I'm mad forever. <laughs> like, by the way, just pull the rug right yeah. out from underneath. I'm like, you. come on, man. We, you know, we got to settle into some sort of routine here. Um, so right now, my wife, who is an absolute saint, is downstairs 
with the baby by herself. So you, it could be. I mean, I'm at home this week, so you could hear some screaming. You could hear the real deal. Um, but she's she's taking that one for the team, which I greatly appreciate. Bravo! Yeah, shout out to uh, to uh, both of our wives. You know, they are. You know, Jackie's home all day long. Aubrey's home all day long. Uh, you're home all day long, Cam. I'm an essential worker, yeah. so I'm out and about. Um, actually, I'm just literally in my office all day. <laughs> but I am an essential worker. Yes. <laughs> so, but for real, the mom. Yeah, we need to get killing, uh, it, killing it. We need to get podcast wives shirts. <laughs> it's like it's like military wives. I love this because uh, in some ways, and I don't want to compare us to the military. I never will. So this that's not what that's not what this is at all. <laughs> Actually, I just should just, just stop. I should just out. stop right now. Actually, um, but they make sacrifices. That's all I'm trying to say. They make some sacrifices yeah, for sure. You know, this is a good time to talk about what's popping and going in yes, a completely different let's direction. Do it. What let's do you go think? in a completely different direction and talk about what's popping. <laughs> Kirk's looking around like those pops are unfolding around him, <laughs> like they're closing in on him. Um, like the birds but it's popcorn <laughs> do you want me <laughs> when i'm video editing later do you want me to like video edit some like pieces of popcorn flying at you during that scene yes. <laughs> yeah that would be good all right we're up to two two, two edits, edits. okay across all my right. face and popcorn just raging at my sweet face man well. it'll only take me till 6 a.m to to complete that and then i have to work <laughs> a full day tomorrow no not happening <laughs> okay slow news week all right bear with us slow we're struggling, okay? We got to run social every day. We're trying to get, like, good, decent content that you guys want to read out the door. It's been tough. Yeah. It's been tough this week. That's why you just get random pictures of me all the time. Uh, yes. Just living my life. And that's why I just, like, so. memed Timothy Chalamet today. I was just like, listen, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing here. Um, <laughs> okay, but speaking of Timothy Chalamet, yesterday was a big day because – Yesterday was September 9th, which we've been hearing for the last week or so was going to be the day that the Dune trailer dropped, and it did. It dropped live on Twitter. I watched it. It was um, – so first they had, like, this Q&A with the cast where they had, like, Timothy Chalamet and Oscar Isaac, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, like, the whole crew. Uh, Denis Villeneuve was there. Um, the goat, as I like to refer to him these days, the, Yo, yes. he's, he's, the he's incredible. Uh, he was there and Stephen Colbert was, was hosting this whole thing, which was interesting. You know, Stephen Colbert, um, was actually a great choice because for those of you who are familiar with him, um, he is like a huge sci-fi fantasy junkie like knows more about lord of the rings than anyone currently living like he is about yes. that life in, in a pretty major way and uh so he undoubtedly is like all about frank herbert's dune series which is a series it's you know i think the original movie that came out was only one shot right it was just a one movie deal or were there sequels yes yeah. It was it was one long tedious movie. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I think you you went and watched that recently, didn't you? I did. I, I watched it like maybe a month ago because I was you know getting ready. I was like, I got to be ready when Dune comes yeah, out. Sure. Dune this, this the reboot, and Kyle MacLachlan is in okay. it, and it was just vastly disappointing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I've not I've not heard good things very, about it, and and honestly, just like. Seeing stills and like short clips from that movie make you go like, eh, 
that's that's a little questionable for sure. Yeah, it was just so lackluster. Um, and I, I think the last probably half an hour of that movie, I was just like kind of scrolling, like, no, I don't want to watch this yeah. part. Not that it was like gory. It was like, this is just really boring. <laughs> and yeah. So seeing the trailer for this is so much more exciting yeah, so than let, that movie. Yeah. Let's, ever let's be. dig into that. Let's dig into the trailer. Um, so first of all, this cast, I think we've talked about on this show before this cast is insane. I mean, Denis Villeneuve, obviously his reputation, reputation definitely precedes itself by now. So you've got people lining up at the door um, for projects like this. And I think, you know, as we alluded to, I think the Frank Herbert book series of Dune is like five books. I'm going to be wrong there. Um, but I, that's, <laughs> that's what I thought. Um, they're long. Uh, so, you know, if this movie is a success, I see no reason at all why they wouldn't finish out the story with, with this cast or, you know, whoever is still relevant in the, in the next movie. So this could be the next big franchise. If, if, they play their cards right, but listen to this cast. I mean, it's insane. Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Oscar Isaac, Rebecca Ferguson, Javier Bardem, Dave Bautista, Josh Brolin, um, uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Um, mm-hmm. The list goes on, and so that's that's an insane cast with some people that I um, really really respect. Rebecca Ferguson probably close to the top of that list. I think she's really brilliant and I love to see her getting, her, oh, yeah. I love to see her getting more work. Um, cause she's just so, so good. Um, but what'd you think of this trailer, Kirk? I was very excited for it. Um, it, it just felt how this movie should be. Yeah, sure. You know, did, did, could you say the director? real quick? Yes, he is. <laughs> I love how you won't even attempt it. You're just like, you're just like, uh, Cam, if you could, please. (laughs) Every time. And you know, it's, (laughs) it's not so much that I don't want to attempt it. It's just that your eloquence with his Mm. name, you've really trained yourself up that I I just, (laughs) I just got to throw it to you, man. There's no one who can do it better Uh, than Biz. I appreciate it. Um, you got it. You got it. So what he has created in his career is just massive mystery, um, personified on screen. Like, if you just... It looks like a dream, like a mysterious dream that you can't quite put your finger on, but as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, this this is that. This is that. So I think that when I saw this, it's exactly what I expected and hoped from him, from this director. Um, it's exactly what... Having seen the original film, exactly the direction that it should have gone, yeah. whatever, 30 years ago. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's this is a, this is a space epic that really... You know, people who are really into sci-fi, um, you know, that I've talked to have told me for years, you know, this is among the best. Uh, so it's surprising that we're just now getting to the point where we're seeing that, you know, in an age where everything is redone and everything is remade. And it's been that way for really the last decade or so. Um, it's surprising that just now someone's taking a crack at Dune. But I really think they found the right person. I mean... Um, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, Denis Villeneuve directed Sicario, um, I think the, the full Sicario series, um, Arrival, mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2449, Prisoners, I mean just huge, huge movies that are all really high quality. Um, so this this is a great fit for him. I think 
it's exciting. Timothy Chalamet said in the Q&A that they had that he maybe shot two scenes in front of a green screen, um, which is insane, right, for a sci-fi space epic. Like, how is that even That's possible? Nuts. But, I mean, Denis Villeneuve just really committed to the practical aspects of this movie, and he wanted that he wanted the cast to be inspired by being in the desert. He wanted them to feel the sand. He wanted them to be there. Um, and in an age where so many filmmakers are going the other way, that's something you have to really respect. Um, it's something that will make this movie, you know, undoubtedly better than it w- would have been if it was riddled with CGI. So, um, yes. kudos to him. I'm, I'm very excited. I think this looks good. I think that we are going to get a full series. I think this could be, um, the next generation's Lord of the Rings. I don't know. Is that, is that bold? I think it's, I think it's big. I think it's going to be really big. I'm for it. As someone who has still yet to see all of the Lord of the Rings films all the way through, uh, also co-host of movie podcast. No, it's okay. I think that this could be, you can't see, you can't see everything. (laughs) That's just, that's That's just the reality of it. You can't, I have a poster right behind me for those of you who are watching on video that has a hundred movies on it that I'm trying to work my way through. And, and you'd be surprised. I'm sure at some of the titles because there have been so many incredible movies, but you can't see everything. I think we're going to try our darndest uh, to do so. But um, yeah, I think I think it, I think this could be good. It certainly looks like it's on the right track. Now, what's interesting is release date, right? Um, TBD, because a lot of things are still moving and shaking with Warner Brothers. I mean, I was reading earlier that they don't even really know what they're going to do with Wonder Woman. <laughs> you know, Wonder Woman, which has been delayed multiple times already they're they're kind of wondering like what's the landscape going to be are people going to go see our movie i think it's right now scheduled for oh man i think i thought it was maybe november 12th but anyway they were thinking about postponing it again i don't know um which that is sort of the thing that warner is basing all of their projects on because they have a ton of stuff floating around right now um with James yes. Bond and Dune and everything else that they have going out the door. So they're really dictating a lot of what's being released right now. So it'll be interesting to watch. Um, yeah. You know, Tenet was supposed to be the movie that brought everyone yes, back, right? There was. was kind of the goal to make it just this massive milestone in culture. Yeah. I mean, Chris, like, Chris hey. Nolan was hell bent on that. I mean, he was like, this is, this yeah. is going to theaters. Yeah. And, he got it to theaters. Sure. You know, he did. Um, just not when everyone can go. I know, man. <laughs> so, I, was, I was like, mission accomplished, question mark? Like, <laughs> yep, it got its release. Effect, it's like, well, could... I mean, these movies can go to the theater, technically. It's just how much do they want to lose on distribution and, and, and return on investment with who can yeah. go and who can't go and who won't Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, Wonder Woman slated for October 2nd, currently, tentatively. Tentatively, <laughs> and <laughs> and then uh, I just saw it. Dune is slated for December, right. a December twenty twenty, right now. Yeah, I think it was like a Christmas Christmas window release. Um, yeah, you know, people are holding their breath. I mean, Christmas is a huge, huge, huge holiday for movies. So many movies come out on Christmas. Um, so many people go to the movie theaters on Christmas. Um, so that's really going to be telling. Is is if you start seeing those Christmas movies pushed, um, that tells you, that tells you there's not a lot of optimism for there being a lot of butts and seats in December. So 
we'll see what happens. We might just get like a short wave of a couple of movies going to theaters and then be right back in the situation we were before. Um, right. Okay, on that topic of COVID and delays and things like that, um, COVID hit the set of The Batman this week as Robert Pattinson, Batman himself, subdued. He was uh, he was test, tested positive for for COVID nineteen. So um, the, the way that it's basically working is there's still work being done in the sense that like people who are building out set pieces, like people who are not a part of the film crew, uh, who are more like I don't know construction, you know, set building things like that, things that are that are not exactly related to the actual ongoing production. Uh, they can continue right. work, but anybody who was around Pattinson. Um, gets a mandatory quarantine per studio policy. So so they're all hunkering down for the next 14 days while this blows over. Yeah, I guess, yeah, like you said, the construction of sets, you know, the B-roll could continue, but otherwise, what a bummer. Tough, tough <laughs> to mean, make a movie these you days, get man. This, yeah, you get this great momentum with this incredible trailer and all this mystery, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, sorry, the star has COVID-19, so we have to put a uh, put a pause on the production. So here was my thought, and this will segue um, somewhat nicely into our, into our next story. But, like, think about The Mandalorian, which is kind of interesting. Like, The Mandalorian started production after the first season came out like it was starting basically in conjunction with that so that was like disney plus came out november 12th 2019 so Mm -hmm. um you know they were doing production through covid like how are we getting a full season of the mandalorian you know at the end of october (laughs) like that that's the kind of stuff that makes no sense to me like some of these projects just cannot get moving um some were just halted indefinitely and and others you know like the Batman are getting hit with COVID. Like how did they manage to pull off an entire season of, of the Mandalorian, you know, it's, and get it released October 30th. I like I, the whole thing is just so crazy. I guess they, they were just choosing like, their locations. Don't tell anybody. What <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty interesting. Um, speaking of the Mandalorian, which I know everybody, I should, I shouldn't say everybody, but legitimately like everybody is very stoked about, um, we yeah, so that's coming out October thirtieth, season two, it's dropping on Disney Plus. I think they're doing week to week again, um, which pff, boo, stupid. But we got our first look at the Mandalorian with some photos. You know how Entertainment Weekly does this, where they get like Entertainment Weekly exclusive, and they get like these set photos. I think they did the same thing. For- da, 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 <laughs> yeah, da, da, yeah da. exactly. Yep. Um, so we got some of those for the Mandalorian. Anything there? <laughs> I'm reaching because, like I said, we're short on news. Anything there that, uh, anything to glean from those photos? And if you want to find them, you can find them on social. Um, oh, good because um, I well, need I'll to start then. My I'll start. We <laughs> these photos don't really show much. It's like a picture of Giancarlo Esposito, a picture of you know the Mandalorian with Baby Yoda. What we did not get, glaring omissions. No look at. Um, Ahsoka Tano, which I was like, ugh, come on. No look at Boba Fett, because we know they've cast a Boba Fett, right? Um, and whether that's mm-hmm, in some sort mm-hmm. of like flashback capacity, or whether that's, I don't know, whether he's alive and well, survived the Sarlacc pit, I don't know. Um, and then no look at, no no look at, um, what's the, what's the guy, Timothy Oliphant, his, his character. No look at him, and he's uh, the yes. other new notable 
newcomer to this cast. We got to look at a bunch of people we'd already seen. Um, there was a shot of the Mandalorian riding on a speeder, like a stormtrooper type speeder, but really like nothing there. Yes. And, and so I feel like that is sort of like telling in the sense that like they're not showing a lot. I think that whatever is going on with Ahsoka Tano and Boba Fett, like they're wanting to keep like way, way, way under wraps. Otherwise, if it wasn't huge, they would be like showing it all over the place. Don't you think? I, I mean, I think that they're hiding right. it for a reason. Yeah. If it's, if they leak anything else, it'll be just like, Oh, you know, the, the, um, the detectives of the internet and especially of the star Wars kind, as we know, they are going to dissect it and figure out and connect all the dots before it comes out because that's who, those people are so <laughs> yeah. you know we also got the tuscan raiders oh yeah we did see um, tuscan raiders one. that is a good call out there's there is one shot that one. looks like it could have been one. taken straight out of a new hope <laughs> that's like literally a tuscan raider riding <laughs> on a bantha at first i was like we need to i need to like google image yeah. search this to make sure that this didn't exist prior to these exclusive photos because it literally looks like it's straight right. from episode four yeah i mean if you've played um uh, Disney Infinity. It basically looks like that one town. Uh, r- yeah, I mean, it's Star Wars, but what Tatooine. town is that? Well, I mean, it's, it's um, it's it's on Tat. Oh, Mos Eisley. Tatooine that they're in. Mos Eisley. That's the yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's. It looks like they're there, honestly, based on the backgrounds. But I yeah, mean, so I mean, that, that is something because like you would you would imagine, and again, like I haven't read every Star Wars book, but wouldn't you think that the Banthas and the Tusken Raiders are native only to Tatooine? I mean, they're not like I would, a super advanced culture. They're not flying around in spaceships. Like they ride on these big giant mammoth things. Right. I would think so as well. So maybe that's what's kind of snuck in here in, in this uh, little, yeah. you know, like the, the racer that he's on. Well, we remember, remember those in return of the Jedi and you know, the big vault door that they're trying to bust yeah. through and the Ewoks. Are we getting Ewoks in the middle? I know the only place two? that we've know. seen those speeders specifically is on indoor. So it's like, but exactly. it doesn't look like he's on indoor. It just looks like he looks like he's, no. he honestly looks like he's on Tatooine. So I don't know what's going he on. He stole there. it. It's from Endor. He went to Endor. He put it on a cargo ship and he <laughs> took it to Tatooine because he knew that he didn't want to get his boots dusty. So that's exactly what's I love happening it. in this photo, I, I love think. It. So. Speculating wildly. That is our favorite pastime <laughs> here on Popcorn for Breakfast. Um, okay, moving on. Kirk, this is one that uh, I know holds a very special place in your heart. So I'm going to give you a moment to talk about it a little bit. Um, the Walking okay. Dead is coming to you an end after 11 seasons. Its 11th season will air in 2022. It's going to be a mammoth 24 episodes. Um, yeah. What's your reaction to this? Because uh, so for history, Kirk and I really like early on in our brother-in-law ship bonded over The Walking Dead. We watched it probably yes. longer than most people. You watched it longer than me, um, but I would say that like you and I sort of hung on a lot longer than some other people. What What's your reaction to this news? Yeah, I, I've i actually watched every episode, and I'm still waiting on the season oh, yeah. finale of season yeah, you're 10. Yeah, you're still going? Yeah. Okay. I told myself that I would stop watching if they ever got rid of Rick Grimes. Sure. And then they got rid of Rick Grimes. <laughs> they sure did. And I said, well, <laughs> they got rid of him in the middle of a season. So I said, well, let me watch the rest of the season. And then what happened in season 10 is that 
it was as if they they fired all of their writers <laughs> and hired new ones. <laughs> yeah. And the storyline was so much better, but it's not because Rick Grimes was gone. It's because they knew that they had a huge void to yeah. fill with Andrew Lincoln gone. So people are, you know, people like who left and came back, they're like, oh, it's so much better with Rick Grimes gone. It's like, no, you're a problem. You're a toxic fan. You're a toxic fan. And Rick Grimes is the best human on earth. Sorry, I'm a little passionate about this. And <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm very excited to see what happens in season, uh, first of all, the finale of season 10. What happens in season 11? Because I think there's going to be a lot of connections to the Rick Grimes films. That's awesome. There are yeah. supposed, supposed to be three of them um, that are all interconnected because uh, Rick Grimes is still alive. So that is what I'm super pumped for more than, you know, it should have ended probably in like season eight. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Andrew Lincoln was the heart and soul of that show. I mean, let's be honest. Let's not kid ourselves. Like, yes, the show got bad while he was on it, but it wasn't because they were, you know, writing his storyline. It was just that, I don't know. Everything was played out. The acting got bad. The writing got washed up. They just hit a dead end and couldn't get through it. They tried to just plow through it and they, they really couldn't. So, they did need that big reset. They did need that re- big reset. I think it just came too late. Um, mm-hmm. So the people that were still around were diehards, and they were watching no matter what, anyway. But the people had left weren't coming back. I mean, they they weren't like, oh, thank God, you know, Rick Grimes is gone. I'm gonna gonna join back in. It just, it, it yeah. It's they. There's such a finesse and an artistry and restraint needed to understand when a show has met its end and when, and when it's played out Mm -hmm. and when it needs to be ended. And even some really great shows have failed to identify that and, and go out on their right terms. Um, this one, this one adds to the list for sure. Yeah. Which is ironic because AMC has been consistently successful in knowing when a show should end. Um, but I think there were a Mad lot Men and Breaking more. Bad. Is that what you're alluding to? Mad Men. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. I think there were a lot more, a lot other, a lot <clears throat> English. <laughs> a lot of other circumstances with the Walking Dead franchise, yes. since it wasn't its own single intellectual property. It was the comic book series, of course, first. Yep. And it was it was such a home run uh, in the beginning. So I think that's why they just wanted to hold on to it. There's still even a new series of the walking dead coming out um, Two, the one that they already planned of like kids who grew up in the world of zombies. And the second one being a Daryl and Carol yes. spinoff. It's, it's that's crazy. right. And so that's, that's the other like, big news coming out of this. Like they tried to soften the blow for the diehards. Cause they know, again, they know that the people who are still watching right now are in it for the long haul. You know, and they're they're going to be really sad to hear this news. But they soften the blow by saying, "Hey, we're giving you a, a Daryl and Carol." <laughs> I hope it's called Daryl and Carol. That would be amazing. <laughs> it's so stupid, but so epic at the same time. Um, oh, but th- they're they're doing a spinoff of that. So, um, yeah, look forward to that, TWD fans. If if you're if you're still on on board for that, I really didn't like what they did to Carol's character. That was one that that hurt me too because. She starts off so cool, right? Like, she's this maternal figure who, like, goes through this amazing transformation because she's got this husband who's abusive. 
and right. she deals with him, right? Like she she takes care of business on that. Or end. She deals yeah. with him, mm-hmm. and she loses her daughter. You know, in the most tragic of tragic fashions, right? Like that that to me is still like the iconic scene in that show. I think like that's the thing that still sticks out to me about that show um, is the scene with her daughter, and becomes this just like total baller. And then they're just like, they don't want her around, and then she comes back, and it's just like, ugh. And she just gets really played then, out. Yeah, she became she becomes like a yo-yo because they're like, oh, people, you know, they really want to see Carol right now. Let's, let, that's, let's not show her. You know, let's put her away in a cabin. And then it's like, oh, the world, the, there's no way we've written our characters into a hole. <laughs> well, yeah. we need our, our toy ex machina is Carol, and she comes in and she, she, she saves everyone. I know. Which, yeah, sometimes it was a good Yeah, I think the first time that they time did it was cool. It. Like, it was like, oh, yeah. nice, you know. But then it was like, what do you do with this character? Like, you brought her back for this epic moment, but now she has no place. You have to, like, write all these weird things to, like, make her a part and keep her relevant. I don't know. It just, it got real messy. Yeah. It's it's kind of like uh, Grey's Anatomy Syndrome, oh. where you have all of these core couples, okay? And then they're like, oh, well, they're cheating on them with so-and-so, <laughs> and Dr. Whatever is going here with them, and that lady lost a leg in a plane accident. So uh, at some point, you just, everyone has... Um, uh, hooked up with everyone else, and then you're like, they just keep going back and yeah. forth like 18 yeah, times. Exactly, it's, it's just, just too much. Like, okay, Grey's Anatomy syndrome. No one, yeah, let's uh, coin it. I like it. Markets. I like it. Um, all right, so that's that's TWD. So s- sorry, we'll we'll shed a silent tear for the TWD fans as they are losing their beloved program. That hey, good run. You know what? You had it for a long time. Um, you got your spinoffs, so you know just. You'll get through this. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Next. Following up on a story that we brought to you that has an update, we were talking about Bel Air, um, which, of course, is the dramatic retelling of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air from Morgan Cooper. Uh, Kirk is out. He's gone. And the reason for that is that what we reported last time is that the bidding for this show was between HBO Max, who, by the way, has the rights to The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, um, Netflix, and then Peacock. And who did it go to, Kirk? Stupid Peacock. Peacock. Yeah, it went to Peacock, which, like, come on. <laughs> Isn't Peacock free, though, Kirk? I feel, I'm, Dude, I'm pretty sure Peacock's free. I'm looking it up right now. Oh, like... Like IMDb Yeah, TV? dude, I think it is. I think it's free. Is it really? I think so. Well, I still hate it because it shouldn't be. I don't want to watch yeah, commercials when I'm watching the dramatic retelling of The Fresh the Prince of The base tier of Peacock is completely free, ad-supported, more limited version of the service. So I don't know if this I will fall into that, but they still say they have roughly thirteen hour, thirteen thousand hours, roughly thirteen hours. That would be that would be hilarious. <laughs> roughly thirteen thousand hours <laughs> of NBC Universal content. Uh, not thirteen hours. It's not just like one season of Brooklyn Nine Nine. It, <laughs> it's it's thirteen thousand hours. So sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's added to that and we can log on and watch it for free, like I'm not going to be mad about it. It's just like. Peacock man, am I right? <laughs> I'll be mad about it, and I won't for no watch reason, it. just out of principle. <laughs> no, dude, like thirty minutes before we started filming, 
I guess like Will Smith sent out like a tribute because it's the anniversary of Fresh Prince of Bel Air right. or whatever, yeah, yeah. and he, it was like celebrating with HBO Max. Like, bro, bro, <laughs> and the writer of the reboot go to HBO Max with this yeah. show. That's just well, from what I can, what I would guess is that um, you know Will Smith he so he announced it on Facebook with a video. Um, with Chris Collins, who's from The Wire, who's going to be helping write this, which is very exciting. And then Morgan Cooper, who, of course, is the creator of this whole world, this idea. Um, he posted a video with them, and he kept kind of, like, dwelling on the fact that they got a two-season order. Like, oh, we got a two-season order. We got a two-season order that never happens. Um, and I think that's probably because Peacock was probably the only one to give them a two-season order because they're Peacock and they need content. Um, that's all speculation, but that would be my guess. Like, I don't think Netflix almost certainly wasn't committing to more than one season because they're like the Amazon of content. You know, <laughs> they're like right. they're misers. Um, and HBO Max, I just I don't know. I, I doubt it. Plus, they're like all premium everything. So who knows? You know, they're probably. Uh, speculation but i would bet that peacock is the one that gave them a two season order and nobody else did and will smith was like listen just take my advice this never happens take your check and let's go um so that's my that's my theory on it but yeah peacock for the win what's the peacock call (laughs) (laughs) you know i think that's 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 what they sound like in the wild i'm pretty sure i think that that was actually an actual peacock that wasn't me believe it or not no, they probably oh, yeah. have the boom, 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 right? The little thing. What if that's the sound that peacocks <laughs> me? <laughs> that's how they got the idea for it. They were like, oh, wow, that's a really unique animal sound. <laughs> I guess yeah, we'll make that like, our, official, start a our official sound with that, with that uh, yeah, for our TV network. Um, anyway, there's oh. that. Last news story I threw in here because I'm selfish and I want to talk about it. Because uh, right. this is a bit of a deep cut. So... Venice Film Festival is happening. I don't really, I didn't really like look into this because I just, I assumed that none of the big major film festivals were happening, especially Venice, because like Italy got smoked by COVID early on. Um, yeah. But Venice happened in some capacity. I need to look into it because I know like TIFF is doing all digital, so I don't know if Venice did the same thing. Um, but the big talk of the town coming out of the Venice Film Festival is a little film called Pieces of a Woman. Um, and it stars Shia LaBeouf and Vanessa Kirby, two of our faves. Well, I shouldn't speak for you. Vanessa Kirby's one of my upcoming faves. I think she's great. Um, of the crown, right? She was in the crown. Yeah, That's right. she's great. Yeah, among like, yeah, she's been in a ton of things. Right she's, she's very good. This movie, we got a clip of it. We posted it on our social a couple days ago. I think it was Tuesday or yeah, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, um, we posted it on social. I think it looks great. And it is the talk of the town. People are, you know, they're bidding for rights to that film right now. I think Netflix is in on it, a couple of others. It should be coming to us this year um, in time for Oscar season. And it will probably be releasing digital because of everything that's going on. Um, Mm -hmm. Are you excited for this one, Kirk? Very excited. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to turn anything away uh, from Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Even the the tax collector that just got absolutely smoked. Did you watch it <laughs> by reviews? No, but I want to, and I probably where's will, that um, when the price comes. Oh, it's Amazon VOD. Video on Demand. Yeah, VOD. Okay. Mm-hmm, VOD. 
I still want to watch it uh, because he got real tattoos. I know his role. Like that's I know, insane. I know. Um, and I love, I love Vanessa Kirby. I, yeah, I'm gonna see this absolutely. It, it just looks so fascinating. Yeah, the subject it's, matter it's is yikes. Did you read what it's about? No. Oh, it's about a couple that has a, um, a home birth tragedy. Oh yes. my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So. It's going to be heavy with a capital H and capital all the other not, letters as well. But yes, it, it's not funny in the slightest, but because I was so unexpected. I know. Sometimes you that, get shocked into laughing. Synopsis. Sometimes you get shocked into laughing. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yikes. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still. Who's the director? Um, it's this, it's this uh, from Hungarian director. Yeah. This is his first English language film. So it's kind of a big, a big deal. Whoa. What's cool is that I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe his wife wrote the film. So it's oh, like a it's like a husband wife combo. Uh, so that's gotcha. that's pretty slick. Um, yeah, I can't confirm, but I'm gonna say she did. I'm, I'm pretty great. sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, that'll be interesting. This is supposed to be a big deal. This guy's a big shot director over in Europe. Um, you know, I watched a Hungarian film one time. It's probably this guy. For you know, as I was watching uh, the foreign films for the Oscars, I like to do that. Um, what did you watch? Do you remember? Um, no, <laughs> I just remember that it was the Hungary <laughs> submission. Uh, let me see if I can find out real well, quick since I'm at my. Let computer. me read all twenty-five of his titles and see if you can. Uh, I've got Mino Sigrit Mlgorski. Oh, I'm sorry. Come again. Haribo, Haribá. What? I'm not gonna continue. <laughs> oh my! Um, hold on, hold on. Let me find this. This is gonna be bad radio, but I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. Uh, Joan of Arc of the Narc of the <laughs> of the Narc bus. Joan of Arc of the Night bus. Maybe. Lost. And I don't know. I'm never gonna Joanna. find this. Actually, sorry. I'll I'll follow up. Delta. Not that anyone cares, but <laughs> I will follow up. So once I figure it out, so. Okay. All right, that's it for, for movie news. That's it for what's popping. You got anything else, Kirk? I got nothing. Nothing. I got Man. nothing. All of those were surprises. <sighs> Tough and... news week, am I right? Brutal. Yes. Brutal. I was like, hey, man, you know, theaters are starting to open. Good movies or big movies are starting to come out, like big big names like the New Mutants and Tenet and Mulan. We should, like, go back to weekly episodes and give it a shot. And then our first, like, weekly episode after we made that decision is like, Oh, the movie news situation is so rough. So, so rough. Yes. But we made it through. We're on the other side. And now we get to talk about Tenet, all caps, backwards Tenet. in Tenet. Whew. Are you ready, Kirk? Is it me? Yes. <laughs> it's you. You have to synopsis this mind-bending film. Good luck. God's well, Cam, I'm glad. I'm I'm glad I was correct in thinking that it was me, that it was my time to synopse. And we're going to do a little throwback, as we used to do in our episodes, where we wrote down our synopses, because Ooh. this movie is riddled with surprises, and I don't want to spoil anything. So, here we go. <clears throat> Tenet. This palindrome is defined as a principle or belief, especially one of the main principles of a religion or philosophy. In Christopher Nolan's Tenet, we meet an unnamed CIA agent whose life got flipped turned upside down. He joins a secret organization that holds an unusual key to saving 
the world. In theaters now. <laughs> That's the throwback sound. <laughs> Sorry, it was late. Oh, it was it. late. This is a live show. Not really, but we're we're doing this for the first time, so things are going to be weird and wonky and late. Yes. That was beautiful, Kirk. I loved it. Sorry that, that I stomped over the end of it with my harp sound effect. <laughs> I thought it was perfectly timed. Yes. Yeah, that's Tenet. Um, and as as uh, straightforward as that sounds, yeah, not not so. It's it's uh, There's a lot of moving pieces. So let's dive into it, Kirk. Who is your Oscar going to? And the Oscar goes to Mr. Robert Pattinson. Oh, our Pats. Yes. God rest his his beautiful COVID soul. He's still alive. Wow. I was but like, let's, what? let's keep What's him alive. What's going on here? Don't speak that into the universe. <laughs> Breaking news. Oh, no, Kirk. Don't speak that into the universe. I am laughing again at a morbid <laughs> topic. <laughs> so. It's late. It's okay. <laughs> Um, I still, so for Robert Pattinson, I chose him. I still, partly because I still feel utter, utter remorse from my past unfounded hatred for him, uh, before we actually really, um, watched his canon of work. He brings it every time he's on screen. Uh, There's not a wasted moment. What I love about him in Tenet is that he, he is kind of our key exposition holder in this Mm. film. He, and he always kind of, um, you know, from the moment you see him, he's like, he knows more than than everyone else. and uh, Or does he? There's there's times when you're like, well, maybe he doesn't. And then, oh, uh, there's all this these ebbs and flows that he does throughout the entire film that are just so perfectly placed. And that's why he, he kept surprising me. Like, I bet he knows the the threat of this, this you know, subplot. And then he didn't. And then he, then they like, randomly exploded this other one blew up this other storyline that i was following i was like what's going on here robert pattinson you're just doing too good of a job um and he's so he's our exposition holder and dispenser whereas you know john david washington is more like the audience and dare i say the audience surrogate yes that's a new term thank you very much um Thank you, Google. Anyways, Robert Pattinson, I think, is going to win Best Actor um, someday. I hope very soon. Maybe for the Batman, but he absolutely captured my attention on this. So when you say audience surrogate, are you talking about um, there is usually in most television programs and movies a character who is meant to be living the same experience as us? Like getting information at the same time as us? Okay. I've never heard it phrased that way. one that you have mentioned several times, and I wanted to um, I wanted to say it, but I wanted to say it in a super nerdy way and a term that I want to use on every episode hereforth, henceforth. And uh, kudos to you for knowing that element uh, of of film. And I I knew I knew there had to be a term out there, audience. Yeah, surrogate, I love it. What he what he feels, and that's John David Washington, not, not our Pats. Our yeah, Pats. yeah, yeah. No, I love it. I think it's such an important thing. It's such an important role, and it's one that um, you really shouldn't be aware of until after the fact, right? If it's if it's done well. I mean, I think the most notable example of this for me, the one that I always give, is like Ryan in the Office. So Ryan yes. in the Office, when he first comes, is like just kind of taking everything in and is like, what is happening? You know, he reacts similar to the way that we would react if we were in that situation. He's kind of like underplaying things. He's like, he's, you know, yeah, he's like the metronome. He's real steady. 
Um, it, what's funny about in that show, like he obviously becomes completely insane, and that's meant to like short, sort of show <laughs> like the the satire that is The Office. It's supposed to show that because here's this guy who like was the neutral and now is like the extreme. Um, so yeah, yep. I think characters like that are important because they help in a subconscious way drive home the the message or the themes of of the movie in a way that you know you like i said it's subconscious you might not always pick up on it and that my friend is why former st louis rams running back mr john david washington is who i'm giving the oscar to um excellent Excellent. yeah that's a deep cut for those of you guys who didn't know that john John david washington was an nfl (laughs) player okay he was on the st louis rams uh during preseason one year i actually remember it vividly um because he was Denzel Washington's son, and it was a big, it was a big deal, especially in St. Louis. I mean, it was kind of a kind of a big thing. Um, so, uh, John David Washington, my my previous exposure to him was in Black Klansman. He was a really good, played a really good role, acted masterfully. It was kind of an interesting, sort of offbeat, you know character and one where I was really eager afterwards to see him in another role to understand who he is as an actor. And so this was something that I was just really excited about. I thought he was really excellent. Um, he's playing uh, the protagonist is both who he is and also the name of his character, believe it or not. Um, that's, that's who he is. And he really does, you know, as that audience surrogate, he controls the emotional dynamics of the movie. He is the one who tells you how you're supposed to feel because this is a cerebral movie. It's one that is unfolding quickly. It's one that can be confusing. It's one where you're getting lost in the details. And all along, John David Washington there is to ground you, to tell you when it's okay to relax by throwing in a quick quip, to tell you when things are getting real by, you know, jumping into action. Mm-hmm. And he balances it all really well. I mean, he's being asked to play this really, I mean, I hope it's not an overstatement, but a James Bond-esque character, you know, someone who's suave and cool and under control and someone who is precise and um, expert level but is also relatable. And so it it really is um, a pretty complex character. And, you know, for Chris Nolan to trust him with that, he had to be very good, and I thought he was great. I really did. I really like this character. Um, would love to see him in more action movies, man. I think <laughs> I think he's built for it. I think he's. Um, I thought he was excellent. I thought his physical acting was good. I thought his um, his timing and his delivery was spot on. Um, so I, I want more of John David Washington. I thought he was really really excellent. Yeah, one some of my favorite times that he is on the screen is when there are just it's very few moments very few it's probably like one frame where it's like whoa he looks like denzel in that one moment and it's just it's just kind of exciting it feels like or like sounds like like him like delivers something like him yeah yeah and it's so brief which tells you how different he is from his father um, and that it's it's simply because that that's that's his dad and he's yeah, it's just son. built and into it this, right like moment yeah. it's either a smile a look or a like a small laugh like 
you know, like it's it's so great. That's that's what I love. Uh, I love watching him perform. He's yeah, fantastic. Good call. Good call for sure. Okay, let's go to Scene Stealer. Who you got? My Scene Stealer is Mr. Kenneth Branagh. Oh, nice. Good good choice. Yes, you know Kenneth Branagh is like um, the Irish Shakespearean father I never had. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a okay, father. Okay, go on. Um, I just didn't have Kenneth <laughs> Branagh as my father. Not many people did. As, I, as for, uh, I think I think I'm right in saying that. I don't think many people did have Kenneth Branagh as their as their father. No, do any? I don't. I don't I know. Have no idea. I don't know. Let's find it, out. I feel like I look a lot like Kenneth Branagh. I sure. feel like um, in my formative years as an actor. I was watching lots of Shakespeare, and he was in every 90s and early 2000s yeah, Shakespeare man. film. And then recently, I mean, there's no – he. I've never seen him in a bad role. I mean, that's let me take it back. <laughs> I have seen him in bad roles. I was like, oh, really? But, but despite the bad role – he is so focused on doing good with it. You yeah, know, you hear you hear about actors and movies that they've hated in the past. They're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, like Ryan Reynolds famously at how much he hates Green yeah, Lantern, yeah. right? But you'll never hear Kenneth Branagh go back and be like, well, I really hated that movie. Um, he's just like, yeah, I mean, I I did my. Yeah, he's best. a pro's he's just, pro. He's just he is so good. Yes, he's masterful in dialects um stillness sometimes he just doesn't even move anything but his lips and his eyes uh in a scene and you just must pay attention in any movie that he's in but especially this one mm-hmm. he, it is mm-hmm. critical and i was drawn to him the every every beat that he was on yeah it's a good pick i'm glad that it's a performance that we're highlighting this was a tough one to choose right i mean both both of these awards were really tough to to hand out, and I mean, I, I went back and forth on giving mine to Kenneth Branagh. I'm glad I didn't, but I'm glad you did um, because it's it's a performance mm-hmm. that I, I wanted to highlight and one that really does drive this movie in a way that, again, you're probably not totally aware of until after the fact. You're like, man, that was a good, that was a really good performance. Um, great choice. Gotta love Kenneth Branagh. Thank you. Okay, my scene stealer, it's gotta be Elizabeth Debicki, man. I really, really growing to love this actor. She hasn't had a bunch of um, massive roles. I I was first exposed to her in a limited series called The Night Manager, starring Tom Hiddleston, um, which was... Oh, and uh, the guy from House, uh, Hugh Laurie. Um, Mm -hmm. Really Mm -hmm. good show. I can't remember. Was it on Prime? Did you watch that one, Kirk? The Night Manager? And it's got... Did you see Tom Hiddleston? Yeah, Tom Hiddleston, yep. I have not. I've seen episode one, and I need to go back and watch the rest. Yeah, really good program. I, I really enjoyed it, um, and she was great in that in that role. Um, and I was like, man, who is this person? She is just killing it. Thought she was so so great. She also plays Aisha in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. She's the gold, yes. the gold woman. Uh, really. That's a fun role. I think, you know, she's, I saw an interview with her where she talked about how much she liked playing that character. And it's one that you can tell she had a lot of fun playing. But um, I was really excited whenever I saw her in on the cast list for this one because I was like, man, yes, now the world can know, you know, what she's capable of and, and who she is as an actor. And I thought she was great. I thought, 
Um, you know, much like what we talked about with Maisie Williams last week, just like a very mm-hmm. under control performance. One that is, she didn't get too high or too low. She was exactly where she needed to be. There was no overacting. Um, and the emotions were just spot on. I mean, she just delivered. I, I thought it was a really, really masterful performance. I think she will continue to get more acting roles. Um, she is, I don't know. I mean, I think that she is really like sort of the heart of the movie in a way. I think that I may have, I, I may have already called John David Washington, the heart and soul. I think he's the soul of the movie. I think she's the heart of the movie. Okay. I'll draw that distinction right there. Um, because she really does uh, provide a level of humanness that is super important, especially in a time bending, mind bending spy type thriller, you know, from Chris Nolan, it needs a level of humanity. It needs stakes that feel relatable. Um, and her character provided that, but it's not just the way that they wrote her character. It's the way that she delivered it, right? Like it has to all work in conjunction with one another. And that's why I thought she was so good. I really, really thought she was great. So, um, get used to hearing that name. She's going to be around. She is so mature on stage and I just in this moment, one moment ago, I found out that she is about eight months younger than me and I just, my world is (laughs) shattered. Yeah, no, she is though. I like to think of myself as mature. No. (laughs) (laughs) She does, she does, that's what I'm talking about. She has a control, she has a level of control and poise that just is is palpable you know you can feel it and and it's really good she was great and she was acting in a lot of scenes um opposite of kenneth Branagh and some pretty emotional moments and man she was right there with it it was it was really great really impactful yeah pretty crazy pretty crazy uh great choice okay next up showstopper what you got showstopper so my showstopper is maybe a little bit different than what everyone might expect from the trailer, okay. from the from the trailer and from the hype of this movie. They and ev- this is kind of like just known. They crashed a real plane. In this movie. <laughs> they crashed a real plane. It's uh, it was cheaper to crash a real plane than it was to do the CGI for a, a plane explosion and wreckage. So I was like, that's going to be it, right? That's going to be what defines this movie. Yeah. Hardly. There hardly. There are so many other things that happen in this movie. What I'm going with as my showstopper are the practical effects in general, and more specifically, there's my Apple pencil for those of you watching <laughs> on YouTube. Do the rubber pencil thing. But, do the rubber pencil thing. You oh, know yes. do oh. Can I do it? it doesn't really come through. Working? On video. I can't. Sorry. I don't that think I'm doing idea. it right. Anyways, glad I could spruce this up with my Apple pencil. <laughs> <laughs> what? What what really what really came came into the the forefront was that this movie is about time inversion. You've heard this. They filmed some scenes forwards and backwards. Yes. Um, some scenes and and in the descriptions online, they're like certain scenes, but this was like sixty percent of the movie. So this is like such an incredible. Um, directorial cinematography uh, championship. I don't know. I can't, I can't think anymore. Feet. The simple as four letters. Thank you. (laughs) I, 
I just my mind is still processing that, like how they would do that, where obviously you film the you film the scene forward and then they film it backward. Well, well, do they speak their words backwards as well? Um, Do they have like footprints on the ground to make sure they hit their previous mark? Like that is incredible to know that they weren't just rewinding the tape, that they were playing a scene forward as the actors were moving backwards it's just too much to comprehend, yeah. and that is what the showstopper has to be for yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so this was undoubtedly going to be the conversation that we were going to have. It demands to be talked about. It's the thing that people, I think, do want to hear about. It's it, it is, you know, what Chris Nolan was sort of touting. You know, in, in the last few weeks on press tours, he was saying, you know, fun one-liners like this movie has less CGI than most rom-coms. You know, I think that was a line that I heard him say a couple times. And so you're like, yeah. man, how is that possible? But it's because of the stellar camera work. I mean, we talk about cinematographers like Roger Deakins and what he was able to accomplish in 1917 by using angles and camera tricks and things like that. And to your point, like the scenes that are going forward and backwards, you'll notice that as precise as they look, and I'm sure they are as precise as they can possibly be, they're also at different angles. So you know they're not just running the camera back. They're at different angles. They're from different perspectives. Um, we're right. seeing different different parts of it. And so I think a lot of it does have to do with the cinematographer and the editor and what they were able to to get. Um, it's, it's really quite impressive. To your point, it's a lot. They do it a lot in this movie. It's not like one, it's not like one big scene. It's like, like you said, 60% of the film. I mean, there is a ton of time bending and a lot of this going on and it all looks very cohesive. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's wild. I think mine is in a similar vein. I mean, mine's the production design. My showstopper is the production design. And just to kind of like fill you guys in on what, what I mean whenever I say that. So production design, this is the team of people who, you know, the director and the writers, they say, this is our movie. This is what, this is our vision for it. You know, have some storyboards, etc. The production design team's job is to bring that to life, meaning what are the filming locations? What is, you know, what does it need to look like? What do we need to use? What is the set design going to look like? You know, they're the ones coordinating all of these things to sort of work in conjunction, lighting. Uh, you know, they have a hand in everything. They're sort of like, they're very much involved in, you know, making all of it come together in a cohesive way. They did a stellar job. Again, we talk about not very much CGI, but this movie, you know, the reason people use a lot of CGI, especially in um, sci-fi action adventure type movies, is just to really like add vibrancy, add texture, um, things that the production design team for this movie were able to create organically. I mean, they, shot scenes in Estonia, India, Italy, Denmark, the UK, Norway, the United States. I mean, they were looking for the exact right places, the exact right um, textures, aesthetics, um, look, lighting, everything. And, and, and they pulled it off because this movie has tons of color and texture. It's very flashy. It looks very expensive. It looks great. I mean, it just really is really good. Um, and when you leave this movie, at least for me, I'm stuck with all of those big set pieces and you know, what it looked like, you know, that those are the things that stick with me more so than even the story actually is like, man, remember when they were in the Amalfi coast and they were on that yacht, like that was really cool. And like, remember when they were, um, 
you know, running up that skyscraper in India, just like really, really cool cinematic moments that, or, or even the opera house, you know, the very first scene in the movie, like just really, really cool looks that I won't soon forget. And, and that's similar to inception, actually another Chris Nolan movie just had all of these really yes. cool textures and, and set designs. And um, so the production design team gets two thumbs way, way up from me. And that's my showstopper. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. I'm trying to uh, uh, currently adjust oh, my man, seating. Oh man, I'm hurting. My, this I've I've got a this oh. desk chair that I'm in is brutal, brutal. I've got it's beautiful though. It's like beautiful white <laughs> leather. It looks it like. looks a lot better than uh, it feels. I can tell you that right now. It looks like you know, like the very first iteration of Sims of the yeah, Sims, yeah. like. That's you, you know you you do your um your cheat code with like rosebud eh, semicolon semicolon or whatever yeah. it was, and you get you just rake up just billions of dollars <laughs> and you're like I'm gonna get all of these I'm gonna have like a an entire room like a computer lab at my <laughs> in my fourth grade classroom that's what that white chair wow. that you're sitting in looks what a, like what a specific <laughs> reference I, I dig it I love it. Uh-huh. It's the very first thing I thought of yeah, when so I saw it. Yeah, so it looks great. So it's currently that. destroying my tailbone and my lower back as we speak. <laughs> I can feel it just like a knife. Yeah, and this desk, I got I got this beautiful new desk given to me by family, but it, there's the, I'm I'm a weird height. Like I'm not tall, but I'm not short. <laughs> and so like <laughs> you're medium the office chair that I'm medium. <laughs> And the office chair that I'm in, it doesn't hold its height. So slowly in this video, I'm sure I've been just... <laughs> You're just like just not... Barely. It's not perceptible. But if you were to show the first frame of the video versus like two minutes ago, you would be shrunken into the floor. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so uh, I don't... I'm just having some struggles yeah, right now. And I, I feel just you. Listen, new format. We're, we're working through it. We're in the thick of it right now. You guys should all feel very sorry Good. for us. Um, director <laughs> Shoes. What, what are you thinking? How can I even think of director's shoes at a time like this? <laughs> but I guess, I, I mean, the biggest one for me, and people kept people always say that this is a, a character trait of the director, but I say no. I say that is false. Here it okay. is. I always like to lead in, like tease everyone like, hey, do you know what I'm talking about? What I'm talking about is the audio in this film. Yeah. The score is at times drowning out the dialogue there was a new composer that uh that christopher nolan chose i don't know if it was scheduling conflicts or what but no big deal the score was still really score was great Um, it's not my it wasn't my showstopper the score was exquisite it was very good um it it, you talked about textures with the visuals It, it perfectly matched those um and was comparable to the level that they were at but the volume at which mm-hmm. the score resonates in the theater, I hope only the theater, there were there were moments when I had no idea what was going yeah. on. Um, people say that happens in all Christopher Nolan films. Well, but I let me tell you, it to... happens in Interstellar in a major way, and, and it really actually kind of oh, ruined that movie for me, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. it's a toughie. Um, he's, he's definitely done it in Interstellar. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that vibe in others. Um, off offhand, specifically not Dunkirk. I thought yeah. the sound mixing and editing was really good in that movie, but this one for sure. Yes. I mean, it was just it was right there with Interstellar for me. It it was upsetting because I found so I find myself 
a pretty savvy moviegoer. Um, there were times as, uh, uh, I'm going to call it movie intelligence. Um, there were times when my movie intelligence was tingling. I'm like, oh, look at this storyline. I think it's going to play out like this. Yeah. <laughs> and it did. And then there were other times when it didn't. But the times that it didn't, I feel like I was, um, what would you call it? I was uh, I was at a disadvantage. Bamboozled, hoodwinked. I couldn't tell. Bamboozled. <laughs> Shanghai. Because I didn't... <laughs> Because I didn't have all the details, because I didn't have all the dialogue. And when I read some articles explaining the parts that I didn't understand, it was like, well, I bet that was in the dialogue. Mm -hmm. And then it was. It says, oh, so-and-so says this and says this. So that frustrated me a whole bunch. I have a second grant. Is that this movie, uh, uh, above almost all of his other feature films, lacked a certain... um, ethos to it uh it lacked a certain um reflection of the human condition that we uh, of loss or grief or love or hope that i you know there was so the 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 job of this movie was so big that it had to convey so many things and and give us all the breadcrumbs that i think that's why we didn't get this and that's what i really love about christopher nolan is that he's able to really make you latch on to the like the humanity of the world in his movies and this one i felt a little bit disconnected than i have in the past yeah i mean i think you're right on the money there man with with both uh, specifically the sound I, I i mean i was right there with you there especially early on in the movie it seemed more so than later um early on when you're just like really trying to put the pieces together and trying to make sure you're hopping on the train you know sooner rather than later so you don't miss a bunch of stuff so much dialogue buried in 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 the score unnecessarily um and buried in loud sound effects um and things of that nature um yeah i I mean interstellar came straight to my mind and i was like man that sucks that this is happening again but i think it must be some sort of choice on on his part i don't really know um it feels intentional but it's it's maybe yeah maybe he's like they're going to put this together yeah. <laughs> too easily. I don't know, man. I'm going to take the I'm going to turn the bass up so loud in every theater <laughs> that they won't be able to know what's what's happening until the fourth watch yeah. and then they can feel like they finally cracked the code. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, I think that's so that that segues well into my director's shoes, which is similar to yours but different. I just think he got lost in the minutia of the idea a little bit. He got got a little bit obsessed with the novelty of it because he goes to a level of detail that really feels unnecessary. <laughs> actually, I think I think he actually over detailed this movie, which is which is sort of a strange thing to say, um, because there are things that happen early on that are so detailed and really sort of inconsequential to what the movie is trying to accomplish. And there, are, sure, there are things that are like. I'm sure, like you said, on fourth or fifth watch, you'd be like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I get that. But I think, like, in general, this movie, you walk out of it, uh, hopefully most people will agree with me, you walk out of it understanding generally what happened, but you don't understand the minutiae. You don't understand everything. And not that you have to, but it just felt a bit ambitious and a bit over detailed. I think even more so than what he's done in the past, because I think with inception, um, which I have been comparing it to, because as far as mind bending, it's similar in nature, but I think with inception, you know, that movie is 
tough to follow the first time around, but by the end, it all really comes together. And you could watch that movie one time and be like, okay, got it. And not only just like, I understand what happened, but like, I understand it at a level that I'm comfortable with. I left this movie, like I got it, but I don't understand it at the level that I would like to. I don't understand it as detailed as I would like to. And I think it's going to take quite a few more times for me to really put it all together. So I just think, this was unbridled Nolan. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> just in every possible way, he was totally uncaged. He had he had all of the resources at his disposal, and this was just totally unapologetically him, right? And, and for better yes. or worse. And, and that's what I would put in the worst category along with the sound, like you said. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's wrap it up. Let's go final thoughts and then scores. I'm really anxious to see where we net out on this one because I frankly have no idea. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I, you know, threw it under the bus there pretty hard just a moment ago. But at the end of the day, this is a technically good film. This is a film with a fantastic production, a fantastic cast. It is a fantastic story, despite yes. that uh, we the the flaws that we pointed out. Um, so it's not. It, I'm sorry. It still is one of his mm. best. It's not the best, but I am still super glad I saw this and that this was made. Um, I'm going to see it as soon as possible <laughs> again. I'm going to give this thing a seven point nine kernels out of wow. ten. Okay. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that. It's interesting because there are more flaws with this movie than what I what I just mentioned and what what you mentioned as well. But I actually think, man, that makes me like it more. Like I, I actually liked seeing Nolan just like totally in his zone, in his element, just like doing his thing. Um, it was really interesting, and I think he went places that he hasn't gone before just because of like studio restrictions and I don't know, just like maybe budgetary restrictions. Like he went some places with this movie that were really slick and felt like at times he was just doing it just to do it. Cause it was cool. Um, mm-hmm. this movie is an unparalleled level of cool. Like the, the vibe that it gives off is just really slick. It, it, it just feels clean and crisp like a spy movie should, but in a way that's just like different and just way more suave than than other films even you know it's bond level coolness it really is it's it's very very awesome um i'm a sucker for it i loved it it's my favorite movie of the year so far um i'm giving a 9.1 actually out of 10 um and and that's acknowledging that it, it is it is a flawed movie it's not perfect but it's right in my wheelhouse and it gives me as a film watcher and just personally speaking for myself, it gives me everything that I need to be entertained. I expect to watch it many, 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 many more times. Beautiful. All right, that's Tenet. If you guys saw it, let us know your thoughts. Remember, keep it spoiler free, all right? We're not trying to blow anybody up. Tenet. <laughs> you put, put it, it again, again right now right over on my Kirk's head. forehead. But yeah, hit us up on social. We can't wait to talk to you guys about this movie. Um, if you want to talk spoilers, we're around, you know, um, DM us. I was talking to our buddy Stefano, who I will just say Stefano has impeccable taste in movies. The The dude is, he, he, he is on another level. He, he is uh, a really good guy to talk shop with. Um, I was talking to him about another film, um, film that dropped on 
Netflix. I'm thinking of ending things uh, earlier this week, and we were talking about Tenant as well. And uh, yeah, uh, if you want to talk spoilers, we're around. We, we'd love to get into it as well. But let's do it in the DMs rather <laughs> rather than on the comment section, so we don't ruin anybody's day. Um, but yeah, that's Tenant. Hit us up. And definitely, again, remember, make sure you see it in a theater, okay? You have to see it in a theater if you're able. Yes. All right. On that note, we're talking a lot about Chris Nolan as a director um, and, and who he is. So in celebration of Christopher Nolan, who is the direct one, well, I don't want to go too far, the director of our generation, one of them, he's, he's really good. Uh, modern filmmakers don't get a lot better than he um, we're going to do our schoolyard pick of Chris Nolan films. Yes, we and are. I get to kick it off. No. Sorry, bud. So it's worth noting, <laughs> including Tenet, there are 11 feature-length Chris Nolan films, which leaves one of them out in the cold on this schoolyard pick, and which probably means that we'll be picking... Well, maybe I shouldn't assume. One of us will be picking a movie we probably don't like <laughs> here towards the end, actually. Just guessing. Uh, the first pick is extraordinarily easy, though. It's The Dark Knight. It's The Dark Knight. All right. Um, you, you talk about a perfect movie. It's close. It's really close. I mean, it's in my top five favorite movies of all time. I, uh, It hits every single box for me. It just checks it all. It's well written it's different it's gritty um well really well acted um by you know christian bale and heath ledger just on another level in that movie and uh i just think it's a masterpiece i really do and and it's an easy first pick for me i i've watched it so so many times excellent choice I'm so thankful you picked that because my all-time favorite Nolan flick is Inception. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I thought you might go there. I was worried because I think I took you down at the last schoolyard pick with something like great, whatever it might have been, because I got to go first. <laughs> so I'm uh, while I will miss The Dark Knight in my list, I am super glad that Leo gets to stay in mine because Leonardo DiCaprio is be you know is christopher nolan the director of our generation maybe but without a doubt leonardo dicaprio is the actor of yeah. our of many generations and i i just can't get enough of him um i want to be kenneth Branagh's son but i want to be leonardo <laughs> dicaprio's brother I, yeah man i just i love him i love him inception you know i remember that was like one of the one of the first dates that i took aubrey on back in 2010 and I remember leaving that movie feeling so cool, even though I had no reason to be. It was just such a cool yes. movie. And, and 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 you just kind of you followed, but there were like these holes, but you just you felt like, wow, that that is a life changing film that should win every Oscar and got no love from the Academy Awards. So yeah. Inception is mine. Uh, I'll watch that movie anytime it's on, and I'll uh, often also just throw it on in the background. It's a great too. pick. I went back and watched it um, for the first time in a little while, and just all the feels. It's it, you know, it's Dude. it's so funny um, when you watch a movie that's so formative in your in your life, and something that just really defines your taste in movies. And that one is definitely one of them. I, I remember uh, it's, it's one of those. You remember where you were when you saw it. You remember how you felt when you saw it. It's, it's so good. 
And I do think it was yes. nominated for Best Picture, wasn't it? I don't know. I'm going to double <laughs> I think, check. I think I that was don't. the year that they expanded it to 10 nominees, and I'm pretty sure it got nominated, but I could be wrong. Um, Checking right now. Okay, my number two pick. I'm going with Memento. Memento. Uh, this was my first oh. exposure to, to Chris Nolan, and it's awesome. I, I think just a, a psychological thriller that stands on a tier by itself. It, it's, it's so different. Um, it, it tells not a linear story, but sort of a circular story and, and does so in a way that by the end you're so floored by, you know, how it's all unfolded. And I, I'll never forget that was one of those psychological thriller movies where I just, you know, mouth agape at the end, like, you know, just like an audible gasp, like, Oh man, what, what an incredible trick he's played here. Um, really, really good. And, uh, why am I blanking guy Pierce? Yeah. Guy Pierce, Joey Pants. <laughs> yeah. Joey yep. Pants. Um, guy Pierce is great in that movie and it's just a really good one. I I've, little disturbing, a little bit on the disturbing side. I've heard some people say that that movie scarred them for life, which is a little bit interesting to me because it doesn't doesn't rub me that wow. way. I think it is like sometimes when you get shocked by something, you know, hard enough, it's like so bone chilling that you like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I could see that. Like every time I watch this scene where they kill the frogs in um, E.T. Yeah. <laughs> with the chloroform, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, it, there's this weird feeling I get, like like I'm suffocating. I don't yeah. know. So maybe it's like that for yeah, some so people. Yeah, so it's not like though. yeah, it's not like scarring in the traditional sense. It's just like, oh man, that really shocked me and sort of like gave me chills, and I didn't like that <laughs> that feeling. Uh, yeah. So that's an interesting one. But Memento is my second pick. I love that movie. Beautiful. I'm gonna go with The Prestige. Oh, that was gonna be my next one. You jerk. Not to be in any sort of competition ever with the illusionist no. with Edward Norton and stinking what's her name Jessica Biel mm. sorry girl no dude I'm talking the prestige I'm talking Christian Bale I'm talking Hugh Jackman Scarlett Johansson's in this movie Michael Caine duh so he's just on the payroll so he just shows <laughs> yeah, he's up, on retainer he's, he's like what you're making a movie all right I'll be there <laughs> <laughs> he, he was intended. I was like, I didn't think you were supposed to be here. <laughs> Where did you just wander onto the set? Um, no, dude, the prestige, one of the biggest twists that I don't think more than like three people in the world could have guessed. Yeah. I, I mean, this, this thing just blew me out of the water. Um, I think ma uh, magicians are super neat. Um, I think that in 2020, they're probably super, um, uh, what would you call it? Um, out of work because they have no audiences. So I don't know. David Blaine sad. was like flying around on a bunch of balloons the other day. I saw. I was like, "Hey, man, oh, do okay. you <laughs> try to try to be out there?" You know. Um, but but that that film is just something that I think should be required watching uh, at some point in in school because it does. It does everything that you don't expect, and it does it well. So yeah. the prestige—it's a unique story too. Um, That—that's yes. another thing I like about it. Just like it's—it's it's not something you would expect or or compare it to. There's not many films you can compare it to, really, um, and certainly mm -hmm. not The Illusionist, as as you said. Even though those films came out the same year, right? The same year. The same year, like within yeah, months. Yeah, it's of each weird other. It how that insane. happens, right? It's so weird. Um, 
Okay, uh, hate to be this guy. One of us was statistically probably going to do this. Pick two Batman movies. I'm going with Batman Begins. Um, and the reason that I'm okay. choosing Batman Begins over The Dark Knight Rises right now is just because Batman Begins um, was extremely ambitious. You know, It was a flavor of a Batman movie that people had not seen. I mean, even... You know, the Tim Burton Batmans, the, the you know, the Michael Keatons, the Val Kilmers, the, and then, you know, Nipples on the Batsuit, George Clooney. That's a very different breed <laughs> of Batman movie than um, what Chris Nolan tried to achieve here. And, and he really reinvented um, the comic book movie genre with this film. He totally shifted the way people think about superhero movies and they were like, whoa, we thought these were, like, kind of a joke. Or, you know, like, in the same ilk as, like, I don't know, goofy sci-fi movies. Like, you mean these could be real dramatic stories with depth and character dev and all the things that you see in Oscar award-winning films? And Chris Nolan's like, yes, heck yes, they can be. Um, And I really think that he did it before anybody else did it. He did it before Marvel did it with uh, Iron Man. I mean, he he set the stage and... Um, I'm forever grateful for uh, to him for that. And Batman Begins is really slick. It's origin stories are tough to pull off, um, especially for heroes like Batman that people feel like they know like the back of their hand. And he just took a totally different approach and one that I think only a genius mind like his could have really come up with. And he nailed it. So Batman Begins. Yeah, I had a hard I had a hard time watching that one. Um, I just I didn't. The first time I watched it, and maybe even the second time, I just wasn't down for it, you know? Uh, I was just like, ah, all right, I'll just watch it on TBS. I did not see it in theaters. Oh. And then, you know, here comes The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger, and I'm like, all right, I got to watch that again. So I'm, like, caught up, and thank goodness I did. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, great. Yeah, and definitely, definitely better. That's that's interesting. That one's on on your on the top of your yeah. list. Yeah, number three for me. What, what's What's your next one? What's your number three? Um, I'm going to go with, gosh, this is hard. I'm going to take interstellar. You since, can uh, have I it. I know you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love Matthew McConaughey. Um, I love, um, you know, I, I think, I think Michael King might be in that movie <laughs> as no well. No way. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Jessica Chastain baller okay so i I just i love that movie i love space movies more than more than most um i love limited series space things tv series as well Uh, but this one i i really thought was really cool i just loved how i love movies that can can be in the future but not the too far in the the near and near but distant Mm -hmm. future that is what really captures me and i felt like that world building was like perfect on his part yeah. so interstellar yeah it's interesting i have a i have a like an opposite experience than like you with batman begins because for me like i saw interstellar theater in theaters with you i think actually um i think and so i was yeah. like yeah that was pretty good um i liked it i was like oh, yeah that was that was good and then as i talked about it more and like as i kind of sat with it i was like man you know what i don't think i loved that movie and i rewatched it and i was like yeah don't love this movie but uh <laughs> it's I don't know why just one of those things you know um, but good pick my next one ooh Tenet 
I'm going to choose Tenet. And I already told you what I like about this movie. Um, It's fourth on my list probably just because I figured you weren't going to pick it. (laughs) So I'll (laughs) I'll take it off the board um, and, and push some of those other guys down. I really liked, really liked Tenet. Um, and you know my thoughts about it because I just spent like thirty minutes telling you about them. So that's my fourth pick. Could you? Could you go <laughs> you want me to re- re- rehash? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, no, <laughs> not gonna do that. You're number four. What number am I on? Four, four, four. My number four. Okay, I'm gonna go with a little movie called Insomnia. Oh, I wondered if this one would actually uh, make its way off the board. Yeah, this movie: Al Pacino, Robin Williams, mm-hmm. Hilary Swank. I I was super excited when this movie finally came to a streaming service because I was like, no, nah, I don't know. You know, that was one of his earlier works. I, I don't know if it's that great. Let me let me wait till I can see it. Dude, this movie, you want to talk about feeling what the main character is feeling? <laughs> yeah, right? Al Pacino gets like four minutes of sleep in this movie, if that. And it's so good. It's so good. And And Robin Williams is like, losing his mind and hillary swank is like this go getter the the trio there that little triangle of characters is perfecto so if you haven't had a chance to watch it it's one it's some of al pacino's best work um and christopher nolan's i love it yeah good call um i'm glad that you chose it i it's one that i haven't seen in a long time so for me i was like ah, i don't really want to pick that one it's not exactly fresh in my mind but um, it's one that I've been meaning to go back and watch cause it's, it's good. I remember liking it and it being pretty crazy. So good choice. Mm-hmm. All right. For my final choice, I'm going with Dunkirk. Okay. I really liked Dunkirk. Cool, cool war movie, different take on a war movie. I love how Chris Nolan put his spin on a story. Um, you know, a story that, you know, isn't like in the crazy Nolan verse where he kind of can have his way with things, you know, one that's set within the realm of reality, but he did this, uh, land sea air thing where, uh, one, how does it go? One is like unfolding over three days. One is unfolding over one day and like one is three hours or something like that. It's something like that. Like you're watching three stories unfolding simultaneously, but over different periods of time. And so you end up with this like, weird thing where like every once in a while they catch up to each other and you're like, Ooh, you're like the, the Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood meme where he's pointing at the TV screen. You're like, Oh, there it is. Oh yeah. Uh, Oh, there I am. There I am. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I thought that was cool. I love that Chris Nolan made this movie PG 13 intentionally. Um, so that people would get a chance to hear this really awesome war movie, uh, in school and, and get to like, actually experience his movies in a school setting and in a historical setting. So um, it's a really neat film and one that looks great is well acted and is really, really cool, especially really cool to watch in high definition. It, it's a great looking movie. Ooh, yes, it is. And it's got Kenneth Branagh. Yes, it, it does. So there it is. All right. My daddy. Your final pick. My Irish daddy. There's only two movies left. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, that's sort of the obvious choice. Have you seen Following? Yes, yeah, I same. Am. Yeah, not my fave. <laughs> you know, it was his first. Yes. Um, yeah. it, it's definitely cool to watch. because So, Dark Knight Rises, you, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a 99% chance you've seen The Dark Knight mm-hmm. Rises. So, um, let's talk about the following. It was his first movie. Uh, it's very noir-esque. Yeah. It's in black, black and, and white. white. Um, 
it's 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 a like tenant a huge mystery you're like what am i watching what's happening and it's um in a way it's faster paced than some of his other mm-hmm. movies at mm-hmm. least i feel yeah. like that um so it's definitely worth a watch um but you know not not at the top of his list <laughs> yeah definitely not um or and the dark knight rises people sort of rag on that one out of the dark knight trilogy i don't really dig that um i think it's pretty good and i think based on where he sort of left us with the dark knight it's it seems like the logical next step um but I think people didn't like like the open-endedness of it and, and sort of like where they leave us, which is fair, I guess. But uh, he didn't build a trilogy that really was made for like a happy, clean-cut ending. You know, he kind of built something that was – it just wouldn't have been on theme, I don't think, for him to just be like happy, everything's good. I mean, he ended it sort of like as happily as he could without leaving things like totally closed off. And people hated how dark the transition uh, of the Dark Knight to the Dark Knight Rises, like where where Dark Knight ended. They're like, okay, great, this is the, this is the trajectory versus where the Dark Knight Rises begins. They're like, wait, what? But it's like, hey, yeah, just just follow the story, <laughs> right? Just, just get just, over, just yourself. live it, okay? It's it's gonna be okay. It's just it's That's right. It's gonna be all right. Just trust. Trust in Christopher Nolan. <laughs> exactly. Just do some yoga like I am right now. I don't know. Are hand motions yoga? No, I don't know. definitely not. Not sure. Um, <laughs> all right. And on that note, that is all we have for you this week. Thank you guys so much for listening and uh, going through this sort of celeb- quasi-celebration of Chris Nolan uh, with us. couple of housekeeping things as we always end with. As we discussed, we're going to be reviewing Mulan next week. So, if you're someone who's interested in this movie or if you're someone who's trying to decide if you should um, pay the pay the money, uh, be sure to tune in next week so that you can hear our thoughts on it and sort of make your decision based off of that. Um, it's something I'm excited for. I think on one of the previous episodes, I said that I really, I really do feel like this will be the best case study for the Disney remakes because I think that they've approached it the right way by telling the story a different way because that's what a remake is supposed to be. There has to be a purpose for remaking a movie um, and they haven't really truthfully done that yet outside of perhaps Jungle Book and Peach Dragon but I think this one will be interesting because it's one of their really, really valuable properties and so uh, it's definitely something that we're excited about reviewing. It'll, it'll be good. Um, next up, the 52-week movie challenge is back on track. We're moving. We're, the, we're rolling down the track now, man. Chugga, chugga, chugga. Uh, so yeah, week seven was last week that blog dropped on Labor Day on Monday. Um, and it was, uh, to watch a stop motion film, which is really fun. I reviewed chicken run. So if you want to see my thoughts, you can go to popcorn, the number four breakfast.com. And next week, week eight is to watch a film set during a historic war. Um, after the five bloods, I'm really into Vietnam war movies, I've watched a couple of them. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to decide between The Deer Hunter and Apocalypse Now. So I'm going to put that poll up on social oh. probably Saturday. Um, that is a difficult choice. Right? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to put that poll up on social, I think, on Saturday, and we'll see what we get back. So that'll be interesting. Other than that, 
hopefully this thing ends up on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to, I'm going to hit stop recording here in a bit and we're going to see what our video quality is at, what our audio quality is at. Hopefully you guys get a chance to listen and watch along with us, but thanks for bearing with us. Um, and the new format, I know it probably had a couple of kinks, but we really enjoyed putting this together as we do every episode. Um, so this could be Cameron, this could be the lost episode. It you could know, be. Always hear yeah, it could be. If it doesn't record well, or we'll just come out and be <laughs> like, hey, sorry, that tenant episode, we'll check back in 10 years. We threw it <laughs> online for bad yeah. audio. And, and on the flip side, if this works out, it could be a good new format for us to give some, to give some more video content to the people, um, which is something that, you know, we kind of committed to for this week and we're, or for this year, and we're trying to, trying to get off the ground, COVID or no COVID, right? Um, that's all right. And that's where we'll leave you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening as always a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs. And of course our original music is by the group rhetoric. Check those guys out on Amazon music, Apple music, wherever you get your music on Spotify, wherever. And we will talk to you guys next week. See you later. I'm